Hey everyone, this is the Out of Your Head Podcast. I'm Johnny Nelson and this is episode 15 with Josh Harris. Josh is a best-selling author who, when he was only 20 years old, wrote a book that sold 1.2 million copies. It was called I Kissed Dating Goodbye. And boy, was it a hit in the Christian evangelical world. Josh and I in this episode talk about the process of changing and evolving your beliefs, something he knows very well and something he did very publicly. Josh has uh, unpublished this book, has stepped down from his role as a pastor at a megachurch, and quite openly admitted to changing his beliefs and and stepping into the process of reevaluating and being comfortable with being uncertain. Oh my goodness, that is something I think a lot of us can relate to. It's definitely something I can relate to. I have a somewhat of a parallel story of growing up in the Christian world and coming out of the closet and evolving my beliefs. And man, that is a one heck of a process to go through because you you really do risk losing so much. Your family, your friends, the group who you once shared beliefs with. Um, it is a, a quite a difficult, challenging, painful, but also a beautiful process to go through. And Josh talks very openly and authentically about that. And boy, did I appreciate getting to talk to him. I hope you enjoy this episode. It's episode 15, and we're still pretty new as a podcast go, and we'd really appreciate, and when I say we, I mean I would really appreciate <laughs> If you would do anything to share or to um, oh, comment, like, subscribe on any platform you're watching or listening, uh, it would go a long way in helping get this podcast off the ground. Okay. Oh, by the way, I have COVID uh, in this episode, so if I seem a little sick or brain foggy, I apologize. Uh, I'm over it now. Everything's wonderful. Okay, enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. Like, it just so makes you feel like, I'm not crazy. Other people feel <laughs> this way. <laughs> you know? Oh, it makes me so happy to hear. I feel like there are so many people that are that are on that journey. I mean, I, I think it's, it was probably happening all around me all the time, but I was in a space in the past where I couldn't acknowledge it as beautiful. I just viewed it as something dangerous and scary. Yeah. And so I, I don't know that, I don't know that the things are changing, but it feels like there's all these stories around me that are unfolding and I'm just able to appreciate it. You know, even if people are heading in in different directions than I would go, it's it's this ability to just appreciate that, you know, evolutionary kind of process and growth and shifting. So yeah, you know, it's um, so I, I feel like a lot of connection to your story and a lot of overlap in that. Oh, I grew up in a very uh, West Michigan area. It's very uh, religious, right? Christian, and I grew up in a mega church and like come from like family that's all like pastors and. Wow. Lo- lovely, lovely uh, world in West Michigan, but also just very, like, insular and very, like, you know, in its own uh, bubble. And so, uh, also, you know, growing up and coming out gay 
uh, in my like very late twenties, twenty nine. Um, and, and walking through that process of like coming out, it's just, there's so much overlap of like yeah. wrestling with your beliefs and like wrestling with your point of view, and that it's right. such a, it's such a for me it was a long process, and it's still yeah. ongoing. And so to connect for sure. and hear a little bit about your process of like, <laughs> well, take us back, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> for those who don't know you, uh, you got. Um, well-known for a book you published, right, when you were 21. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. That's right. Yeah, you're, you're, you're wanting me to complete the story. I'm, yeah. I'm like, oh, you're telling it really well. I don't want to tell your <laughs> Go story. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, I, um, like you, grew up in a really, you know, loving Christian home. It was all that I knew. Um, I embraced that as a teenager and uh, wanted to radically and passionately, you know, serve Jesus. Mm-hmm. And uh, I Kiss Dating Goodbye was a very particular expression of wanting to honor God in this part of my life that had been a source of, you know, at the time I would call it temptation and struggle, uh-huh. you know, because. I had a girlfriend and we were doing things we shouldn't be doing. And the big message from the church and from my parents and, you know, from the Christian culture was save sex for marriage. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, not going in the right direction in that, in regard to that. And so I kind of had this, you know, second come to Jesus moment where it was like, I need to honor him with my love life. I need to honor him. And, you know, when it comes to how I relate to girls And that ended up leading to this book, which was my story of saying, let's be really committed to God's way. And not just if we, if we're not going to have sex, we need to, we need to back way up. You know, we need to get far from the the edge of the cliff (laughs) and we shouldn't even be dating. You know, we shouldn't be putting ourselves in, in contexts that lead to temptation and compromise. And so I really just kind of popularized and expressed as like a young person, all these ideas that were percolating in the Christian homeschool movement, in kind of different parts of evangelicalism, where parents were trying to figure out what to do with their horny teenagers. <laughs> and uh, yes. so that was, that was like his standing goodbye. And it ended up becoming, you know, very popular and sort of uh, catapulting the, the ideas of what are now described as the purity culture into, you know, a more mainstream discussion. Yeah. You grew up homeschooled too, didn't you? Yeah, exactly. Homeschooled my whole life. Never went it's, to school. It's, it's such a breed of people. <laughs> Sometimes I'll, I'll, like, I'll see some kids and I'll, they'll be homeschooled. I'll be like, I know you're homeschooled. I could just tell. I tell you by could the just je- tell. The jean dress gave it away. <laughs> That's um, so funny. Yeah, I had a lot of friends that grew up homeschooled and, um, you know, grew up in that religious environment. Um, it's also very interesting too because, like, Man, like it sounds like as a twenty-one-year-old, your heart's in the right place, right? Mm. You and all you do, all you did was just up the ante, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, up the ante like, is a good way to put it. Yeah. If this is, if this is, you know, being uh, moral or pure or uh, saving sex, let's do even better, you know? Right. And exactly. So it's, it's like, man, so many, so many of us, um, maybe especially when we're younger too, we strive so hard and we're like to be like 
zealous and you know and get it right and, and I feel like sometimes the harder you swing the harder you whiff right <laughs> <laughs> no and it's interesting because I think that um, you know the people that I talk to it's the people that were so sincere and committed that gave themselves in such an intense way not just in regards to sexuality but just into religion in general yep you know like i mean and this could be applied to a different setting it could be applied to the you know the company you work for it's like the more you put your heart into it the more you believe in the vision the more you buy in when it lets you down it's like the greater the heartbreak yes you know and so um I, I think that uh, you're right. I mean, I was kind of in this this space of upping the ante and saying, let's be serious. And I think there's a there's something about when you're you're young. I think it's easy to be self righteous. Sure. I think there's an an arrogance there, you know, that just says, well, you know, these past <laughs> generations, they didn't they didn't try hard enough, you know, <laughs> or or you're looking at other Christians and you're like, you know what, they're just not committed. And so there's an energy there that, you know, it's like there's there's something sincere, but then there's also something, you know, I think dangerous and and uh, and self-righteous about that energy sometimes, at least for me. I'll speak for myself. <laughs> so, um, Josh, it's kind of interesting to, like, um, hear how, like, there, I mean, as it was for me, like, the unfolding of how, like, your belief systems change and how it gradually changes. Um, did I hear that, like, maybe in, like, 2010, you were already like, hey, you know what, this book, I'm, like, I'm already kind of, like, stepping back from it, and I'm making some changes, and then you continued to kind of evolve your thinking even uh, after that point? Yeah, I would say, I would say that was the time when some realizations were dawning, but I was definitely not, like, stepping back from the book. I, I, I think what was happening at the church, my church at that time where I was pastoring is that there was a lot that was falling apart and a lot that was being revealed as unhealthy in the church culture. Yeah. And so that was the beginning of me starting to realize, wait a second, my, my books, you know, connected to that. The thinking of my book is connected to a church culture that elevates secondary issues and says, if you don't do these things and you're not really passionate about God, you're not really, you know, serious. And so that can include things like, at least in our church, homeschooling was one of those things, you know, not dating was one of those things, daughters, you know, not going to college, you know, wives not working, but being, you know, homemakers. I mean, it was, it was that very conservative kind of mindset. And even if it wasn't you know, carved in stone and written in the church mission statement, it was part of the culture. And so the bad fruit of that began to come out in a lot of different ways in our church and in other sister churches. And that was a very disillusioning time for me. I was, I was trying to be a part of the leadership of keeping things together, but I was starting to see like what, what has been built here is not good. And that was the beginning of seeing that my my book was connected to that. But it took a long time before yeah. I followed through with the process of actually digging into the details of the book, what's really wrong with it. And I honestly, I I I mean, my church was exploding, so I was I was preoccupied, yeah. but it was also just psychologically such a painful thing to consider. It's like I I, I kept putting it off. Yeah. So that catalyst of seeing how like 
emphasis on maybe the wrong things and how it mm. manifests in the community and in your church is kind of what got you kind of questioning some of the beliefs you had or were holding. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's very interesting because, um, you know, in a way I feel very grateful uh, growing up gay, even though I've had to be in the closet for a long time because it was mm. a constant catalyst for me to like be like, I always have to wrestle with this aspect of how this jives with Christianity. Interesting. So it gave me, um, you know, I feel like sometimes, you know, in a religious circle or specifically in the Christian circle, you can, um, you can kind of like put on the back burner some issues that just don't quite jive or don't just quite feel right, you know? Yeah. And you could just be like, cool, but collectively I'm going to grab onto everything. And, um, I, uh, yeah, I'm a Christian, so I believe all these things, right? And then I'm not going to think a lot about some, some other topics that just don't feel right. And exactly. like, because I grew up gay, I, I couldn't really put that on the back burner, you know? That and makes so, so much sense. And so it was such a catalyst for me to like, want to have questions and, uh, and examine my beliefs, um, which I'm very grateful for, even though the process was challenging. I wouldn't change it for the world. Like it, the end result of like getting to have that experience and come out and meet my husband and like, wow. it's such a valuable experience. And how old were you when you had that awareness? You knew you were gay and you were in the Christian context. Man, I would say, boy, you know, I, there's almost like a mental, like admitting it to yourself sort of thing that I think yeah. happens for, yeah. for, for anyone who's like scared about being gay. Um, and I think like when I was like, 12 or like or 13 i kind of admitted to myself like okay i am struggling with this you know struggling <laughs> yeah of course uh, and yeah. so um yeah i knew for a long time and that process you know it, it switched from even like you know as i like got into my 20s like not feeling necessarily like slowly losing like the feeling of like uh, shame or it's bad that i'm gay mm. to even then staying in the closet because i felt fraudulent about lying to people and then wanting to turn the tide felt like like that felt embarrassing you know <laughs> where i had like come to terms with being gay but i hadn't like come to terms with the fact that i was lying to people and wanted to address it um, yeah. and not to mention too you know my family being very religious too like there's a lot of stakes to lose your family major lose, disruption right yeah community, yeah um, well, I, th I think, I mean, it's, it's such a, it's so uh, helpful to hear uh, what that was like for you. I think that's, that's always the two parts of, you know, that we have to, to deal with is like the inner, the inner uh, opposition to kind of embracing who we really are. Mm -hmm. But then there's always the outward opposition to actually embracing who we are, you know, yeah. whether that comes from family religious community, culture at large. It's like the expectations that other people have of you is this other, you know, battle that you have to fight. Yep. And um, those don't always happen right at the same time. <laughs> right. But, you know, it's so interesting because when I, uh, I mean, I'm skipping ahead a little bit in the the story, but the, the moment where I it came in phases, I ended up recognizing the book was harmful and apologizing for that. Um, recognizing I didn't want to be a pastor anymore mm -hmm. and letting go of that whole, you know, persona and identity. 
And then um, behind the scenes, um, my marriage was ending. And the point at which I and my my ex-wife shared that was kind of another layer of letting go of people's perception and view of of us, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of was the the next domino to fall was saying, you know, actually, I'm not believing in the same way. Like my views of God are not the same. I don't know that I can I can't really call myself a Christian. Like, you know, and 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 speaking that out into the world. I could have just kind of kept that <laughs> hidden. Yeah. But um, when I went through that process, the kind of metaphor and experience that had so much resonance with me was my gay friends who, you know, described that coming out process. Yeah. And it was like, that was the storyline that I was like, oh my gosh, you understand like how, you know, traumatic that can be and how this like just speaking of your, your reality, your truth can be so disruptive to relationships and to family. And it carries with it this potential for, for rejection. And um, that's just an incredibly difficult moment to be in, but also so freeing at the same time. Yes. So a hundred percent. It was very interesting. I want to talk to you a little bit about this, but I've always felt like um, in Christian culture, like, and here's the thing I, I love, my evangelical Christian friends and family and they're awesome. And like, they're, they like kick butt in so many different ways. That's true. That's so true. But but one of the things that I wrestled with, uh, when I identified as a Christian and evangelical Christian and, um, with that group would be, you almost, it almost felt as if you weren't allowed to be truthful or honest. Mm. That, um, that if there was something that would call, give you pause or questions, whether it's a theological thing or um, uh, the way a uh, belief the group has, you you weren't really supposed to be honest about it. And in fact, yeah. I, you know, I, I even heard uh, it sometimes like said, like in Christian circles, like, oh, you know if you're saved because you'll know that you know that you know. And it's like... So the very fact that if you doubted that you knew <laughs> or you're like, oh, I'm not sure, like some of these, uh, like that in and of itself meant you weren't saved. So it's like you would have to almost pretend like you knew yeah. things or like you were, uh, didn't have questions. And um, it's almost the uh, the feeling of being able to question anything itself feels like it's off limits and taboo uh, mm-hmm. in Christian circles. I think that's true. I, the thing that I think is interesting is I think that that's true of almost any group that you end up identifying with. Oh, yeah. Yes. You know? Yes. It, it's maybe more pronounced and defined, you know, the dogma of, of Christianity, but I feel like every group has its own dogma, you know? Yeah where you, you, once you join in, you're aware, if I raise this thought, <laughs> yes. Yes. if I, you know, say this, my friends are going to be like, are you okay? And what, what are you doing? You know? So there's, I think, I think that's the thing that I, I'm just realizing as I step outside of the church is that that same impulse to judge and exclude based on, you know, having the, a certain set of beliefs can still be there in a lot of different settings. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the whole discussion with, 
um, you know, cancel culture and those types of things, it's like, obviously there are things that need to be um, censored, censured, excuse me, and um, spoken against and accountability for people who are in power, who misuse power and harm others and, and so on. But there's also, I think, in, in lots of different spaces, this fear of, like, can you be, can you ask certain questions? Can you voice certain opinions? You know, do we, do we want to create an, an environment where anybody has the power to say, if you think that, we'll shut you down. And what I think is so ironic about how Christians are people, I mean, like conservative Christians, and I'm kind of mixing them in with the, you know, Republicans and, and so on, which they are very mixed in, um, that are so upset about cancel culture is if you're in the evangelical church, you know that we, we were the original cancel culture, <laughs> right? I mean, that was the, that, I mean, that's what excommunication is. That's what church discipline is, yeah. but also the church was constantly doing the cancel culture di- game. You know, if, yeah. if Disney had a, you know, gay pride day, then boycott Disney shut down. You know what I mean? Like that, or that Amy was the, the impulse. Or, right? <laughs> and um, so I just think it's a little bit ironic that they're so upset about it. Yeah, man, that's, you're, you're exactly right. It's that, it's that membership to a club. That's, mm-hmm. it's so, well, first of all, it feels so antithetical to like what you would be trying to do from a religious point of view to begin with, but we're all, Hmm. we're all doing it, you know? And this idea that like who's in the club and who's not in the club is just like, we should all be just like, Hey, (laughs) (laughs) I've even thought about this way about like, you know, if you truly believed, you truly Hmm. believed that like, you know, God was sending people to hell and taking some people to heaven. Um, sometimes I've heard, you know, people be like, well, at least we got the good news and like, at least we know, right? And we're, and we're going to be okay. And it's like, well, if that was, if that was truly the case, like, you'd be pulling people aside. You'd be like, hey, listen, like, you have to believe this. Like, yeah. It, even if you like, you don't think, you know, God's good or, or like, like him sending to people the hell is good just just say you believe it and you know because like we should all be in this together about like let's try to like <laughs> find you're the saying right if path. you if, if you actually hold to a belief in an eternal hell then you would be spending all of your time and energy trying to rescue people from that even if you believe, what you're saying? yeah and i would say even still if you believe conceptually that that made um like god a non-good or benevolent god yeah. You would still be like, hey, best practice, like like we have to we have to abide by this because, you know, let's let's all take care of each other. But there's so much that's like some vibes I get uh sometimes from the religious is like, we got it. <laughs> like you know, yeah. we know the truth. Like uh we're saved, we're okay, but it should be it, uh, it should be the exact opposite of like Yeah. Like hey, this is what we're dealing with. Let's go. You know. Well, I saw a, um, this is such a funny, funny sentence, but I saw a TikTok by Abraham Piper, who is John Piper's son, who um, like his dad is a very insightful thinker, but he's not, he doesn't identify as a Christian anymore. Mm-hmm. 
and he kind of picks apart a lot of the fallacies and inconsistencies of religion and just thought in general. Very entertaining, very insightful guy on TikTok. Um, but he had a, a, you know, a post that he did that was basically saying you can't believe in a literal eternal hell and, and live consistently and actually carry that idea and belief. Because if you really believed, there's no activity that you could be engaging in except trying to witness and evangelize because anything is, you know, a waste of time, a distraction, eating dinner with your family. You should be using that money to go try to reach the lost. You know, I don't think the human mind can fully carry and grasp this idea that all these people are, you know, being sent to hell for forever you know, who are not, who don't even have the chance to hear the gospel kind of a thing. Like you can't really hold that. And, and every once in a while, someone will pop up who, who is trying to, to kind of live that consistently. And they're the people that go off to the mission field and, you know, give everything to, to go and try and serve in that way. Or they're the guy preaching on the street corner that you're just like, that person is so weird and, you know, so messed up or whatever. Um, And I, I think that that that's an example of how, all beliefs have different places that you bump up against that you it's, it's almost impossible to live completely consistently with your worldview. And that's not just Christians. I think that's true of, of secular people. I mean, like, you know, you, you give up the hope of eternal life in heaven and there being a God who has a purpose for all things. If you try to just like really live into that reality and that, you know, there's, it's all meaningless that you just walk around depressed all the time, yeah. you know, you'll just kill <laughs> yourself today kind aches. of a thing. Yeah. And so there's a sense in which we all are kind of like not being completely consistent right. with our beliefs and the full expression of those. And, and that's where I just wish there was an ability for people, you know, in all camps to, to, to be more empathetic, yes, to be more gracious, to, to recognize, you know what, none of us really have it all together here. And I think that's what's so frustrating about, you know, evangelical Christians or just Christians in general is that they don't have that ability at times to meet other people halfway to say, you believe differently. I'm not completely consistent. There's a beauty in our humanity. We're all trying, you know, all religions are an attempt to find purpose and community and, and so on. It's, we have the way, the truth and the life. And, you know, that self-righteous, well, you guys are just you know, bummer for you. <laughs> and that's what's, you know, so heartbreaking, I think. Josh, and I think you like hit it two words, just like part of it is being able to just be willing to admit, like, I don't know for certain. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whether like we should all be able to say that, right? We should all be able to say that. But Christianity falls apart. If you say that, <laughs> yeah. at least a certain brand of Christianity falls apart. It like, sure does. you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's like, that honesty of like, I don't know, like, I'm going to like do my best. I'm going to try to follow these things. But like, it really, it really would shift the dynamic for us in all the groups we form, whether it's the Christian or atheist yeah. or left or yeah. right or blah, 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 to just have that vulnerability of like, I don't know for certain, hey, this, I'm going to lean this way. I'm going to lean yeah. to this. But right. um, it's that it's that staunch it's that staunchness of like I'm certain that becomes like that manifests so problematically when you start getting mm-hmm. into the particulars. It's true. Well, the the thing about it is, is you even mentioned this earlier about you know 
it's antithetical to, to religion to kind of have this we're in and other people are out, but actually that kind of we're in the club and you aren't mentality is the very thing that appeals to people right. to join the religion. Yes. Okay. You know? Yep. And so the, the kind of like, if you lined up five different options of religion and four of those were the vulnerable kind that you're saying, where they're <laughs> saying, you know what, we don't have all the answers. We're not totally certain. We just want to, you know, be kind to others. We want to be friends with these four other options. And you had one option that was like, we have all the answers. If you're not with us, you're going to burn and we've got every, you know, direction for how you should live your life. I guarantee you that one is the one that's going to spread faster. It's the most appealing for sure. It's the, it's, and even though there's like an ugliness to it, even though a lot of people can look at it and say that's dangerous, that's bad. It's the one that's going to spread because it gives people a sense of security. Yep. It gives answers to why the world is the, the way it is. And it rewards evangelism. In other words, there is a huge motivation to give financially, ah, to give your it. time and your life, and to, to go grow, to the ends of the to earth to, to spread it. And yep. the other four don't have that motivation. You're right. <laughs> yeah, it's a feature. It's a feature of religion that will, oh, I guess, always kind of cause it to lean that way to to claiming certainty, right? Yeah. Or at least being the one of the more popular options. It is a. It is a very. Um, it's very challenging to continually open yourself up to the possibility that you're wrong, right? It is. Live in that space. Yeah. It's, um, it's, un- it's like constantly unsettling. It is. And it, it's weird because to me, it often feels like the more honest position for me to be in, whatever I'm like, uh, whether I'm talking about religion or anything, um, mm-hmm. there's so much, I'm always like, oh man, I always feel like I'm in the gray area, like not the black or not the white, but it's like so much easier just to have this like structure of like, yeah, I, I got it. I can kind of just, I don't have to keep thinking on it. I don't have to keep mulling over it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is very interesting. And I, I, yeah. And I, I really like the way that, uh, Richard Rohr talks about this in, in his book, Falling Upward, he talks about mm-hmm. the two you know, kind of first phase spirituality and second phase spirituality. And that like, you know, zero to 40 is the first phase. And that is the kind of certain black and white way of viewing spirituality that gives structure and gives a sense of security and kind of, you know, identity and so on that people crave, especially when you're young. You know, you want to find your place in this world. You want to know how to do things. You want to know you're on the winning team. Uh, you want to lock in and so on. And that gives you so much structure. But then at a certain point, it, it starts to run out. It doesn't work anymore because you encounter real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you encounter the inconsistencies in yourself. You encounter the hypocrisies in the world. You, you, just, you just experience life. And so that first day spirituality no longer is like matches to reality and to your, your existence, but it's, it's hard to make that transition. And there are a lot of people that never make that transition. They just say, let's just double down and, and, and drive harder <laughs> in our certainty and, and kind of fight harder. Uh, so it makes sense that I think that that pattern is, is kind of constantly repeated. It's hard to also make that transition and not just flip to the other side of like, um, you know, like 
well, people who hold those beliefs, I'm angry against them and it's, it's wrong. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's very funny. I was in the last year or two, I've come in, come into reading some Richard Rohr. Oh, have and you really? Very funny. Very funny is that, um, I grew up in Granville, Michigan, where Rob Bell had his church. Oh my gosh. And okay. I, I, I popped my head in a couple times, but I went to an, another church that was, uh, um, more uh, charismatic and evangelical growing up. Okay, and, yeah. Um, and only within like the last month did I read his uh, a couple of his books, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, okay, this is really nice to hear this now. <laughs> <laughs> it's just very oh man, I I was so judgmental towards Rob Bell, you know, like back when he was doing his stuff and and he came out with his book on hell and so on. I, you know, I I was just terrified of it and judgmental and super dismissive. But yeah, he was trying to get at some of these things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, here's a question for you. Um, I, do you feel like there's a place? Um, and if so, how, um, to like want to nudge people who are, um, maybe very dogmatic in the religion or, Maybe let me phrase this a different way. Do you feel you have the capacity to have a dialogue with people who are, mm. um, oh, the word evades me right now, fundamentalist? Yeah. Um, or in your experience, as, as you, the tides have shifted, is it a conversation that's just like too hard to hear if you're a fundamentalist of like any, anything else outside of that box? Mm-hmm. And maybe like mm-hmm. how have you potentially navigated that? Yeah, I I think that if you're a, a true fundamentalist, a good fundamentalist, <laughs> then the only basis of the conversation is trying to refute, correct, and yeah. you know, argue your viewpoint. And I think there are places for those kinds of debates and so on. That's all it is, is a debate. Yeah. Um, I'm not really interested in that personally. And I've had some opportunities. I was invited to go on a show where um, someone was trying to facilitate conversations between, um, you know, Christians and non-Christians or people with radically different viewpoints. And I think that, I mean, I, I appreciate that that desire. I appreciate that, you know, impulse to try to facilitate those kinds of conversations. Mm -hmm. I think I, I felt like, you know what, right now, I don't necessarily want to use whatever platform I have to spotlight those voices. I'd rather have conversations with people that are open, that are exploring, that are more in the gray space, Mm -hmm. instead of trying to go over and influence and, and, you know, argue with somebody. And I think it's just that issue that we described. There's not any space for them to say, well, I I could be wrong. You know, like, I feel like I have that kind of viewpoint. In other words, if I'm talking to a Christian, I have the mindset of, you know what? I could be wrong. Christianity could be completely true. There could be a literal hell, you know, and, everything that the Bible teaches about God and his power could be absolutely true. I have to, I have to leave that open. 
that that's a possibility, but it's hard to have a conversation with someone that doesn't have that reciprocal kind of openness. Yes. And I think it, it means that it's not a true conversation per se. It is a debate and I'm just not really interested in that right now. It's hard because there's a, there's such a, an, an impasse there for sure. Um, it's also interesting what you just kind of touched on too about like, and you live in that gray space, you're open, you're, you're open to all of it. Like, yeah, there could be literal hell. There could be this X, Y, and Z could be true. Like I'm, I'm open to that. Um, and it's very funny, uh, how, you know, um, sometimes that fear, uh, comes back into my life because of that. Yeah. Um, my brother happens to be gay as well. Mm. Um, it's nice to have someone else on the same team at least (laughs) Uh, and we talk about how um, you know from time to time like that that old fear will come back of like Mm. (sighs) like guilt or I feel bad or blah 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 and then you know usually you know I I start re-examining you know my beliefs and like okay listen you know, I've been conditioned to, to believe this, blah, blah, blah. But there's something about living in that gray space that allows yeah. that to come back. Yeah. And I suppose I'm okay with that because that to me feels always more honest than living mm-hmm. in the, the, the fundamental space of the opposite point of view. I'm like, mm-hmm. I fundamentally disbelieve something. But, you know, we... And, yeah. I, and I think this, the reality is, is no matter where you are, you have those moments of yeah. doubt. Yes. Like when you're a Christian, you have those moments yes. too. You might not like be honest about it or, or ever talk about it. Sure. You but, feel you can articulate it necessarily. Yeah. Huh. But were those, you know, like, what if this isn't true? What if I'm doing all this for, for nothing? You know, I mean, I, th- I think there are a lot of people in churches that have those doubts and questions, maybe never voice them. I think there are a lot of people who have actually deconstructed their beliefs and no longer truly believe but they're still showing up because it's just too disruptive to their life to, to voice, you know, honestly what they actually think. And obviously there are tons of people that are closeted or people that are having affairs or doing all kinds of things and they're still in the church, but they just, you know, they're just not actually doing it publicly. (laughs) It's been so, um, so like fun and eye opening, um, growing up evangelical, (laughs) To my uh, husband is Southside Chicago Irish Catholic. <laughs> oh, awesome! <laughs> and like, just to get a little insight into something I never really got growing up, like West Michigan was so like Protestant evangelical, blah blah blah. Right. Um, it's so funny to even sometimes like <laughs> I'll hear his family be like, "We're not Christian, we're Catholic." <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Okay, all right. <laughs> that makes sense, but it's just, you know, um it's been such a a different, you know, look into how you know, my husband talks about religion growing up and like how different that coin is for people even underneath the same uh, same umbrella. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you mean the 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 different streams of of Catholicism obviously is a, is a massively different stream, but then even within, you know, the Protestant tradition, there's so many different experiences. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. Um, which is also just very interesting too, because so many people step away from like their religious experience with such a profoundly different feeling, right? Like Mm -hmm. I step away from, from 
Christianity and like I have still have a very strong affinity to the story of Jesus and the person of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I still have a very like open uh, place in my heart for like, oh, like the idea of God or a benevolent being being out there. Like uh, mm-hmm. oddly <laughs> walking away from like this tradition where like, oh, I don't feel good about like necessarily the tradition I grew up in. I still have an affinity towards yeah. some of those mm-hmm. uh, some of those things about it. Whereas, like, my husband walked away from Catholicism and is like, like, if you say God or anything, it's an immediate just, like, poof. Like, how it impacts him of, like, like... In a negative way. Very, very negative way. And it's like, I totally understand that. It's it's almost odd to me that I came through that experience and that tradition and don't feel that sense of animosity. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I'm just learning how people's people's experience can can be so so different. We're all in process in different ways. Yeah. And you know, there there the ways to change your beliefs and deconstruct, there's no there's no one way to do it. I don't think there's one right way to do it. Um but it's easy to I think at times feel like, oh, is there something wrong with me because I'm I'm, you know, I'm open to faith in some way while I see others that are like actively kind of dismantling and almost reverse apologetics kind of a thing. Yeah. I just think we all have different stories that we're, we're living out, you know, and also different gifts and, and, uh, you know, to use a Christian phrase burdens, you know, there's some people that it's really important for them to um, dismantle and kind of show what's wrong with Christian belief while being outside of the church, while others want to stay in the church. And even though they're like, they have so many issues with Christianity, they want to stay in and like, say, you know what, this is still mine. And I'm going to work for change and reform within, you know? And, and I think that's beautiful too. And others are just like, wash their hands of it. Like your husband, you know, it's like, no, don't even mention it around me. Um, We just have, you know, just different callings, I guess. Yeah. You know, um, it's interesting too, like shedding, shedding that, um, shedding that title of a Christian or like, yeah. uh, religious or blah, blah, blah. Um, like sometimes it almost feels like necessary to, to like be able to enter a conversation with someone about where you stand because the oh, moment no. like you, you, you know, you're, you claim to be a certain thing there's so many like knee-jerk assumptions about what it means right. you should believe or have to believe yeah that it's very hard you know to have that flexibility sometimes by even like holding on to a name or like <laughs> that's true it's so true yeah it's amazing how we label other people and like kind of quickly try to understand them based on those those labels which i think are just so so inadequate in many ways yeah. I, i'm curious johnny like what what is it is am I understanding rightly that you are a performer in some way comedian? Yeah, is that yeah. so? I do improv comedy. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, here in uh, do you, do you and your husband do this together? Luckily, no. He's a <laughs> <laughs> he's a cellist, and oh, um, incredible! Yeah, so he's it's great having him in the performing arts and like also myself as well. But like we each get to do our own thing. 
different wings. <laughs> he's, freaking, he's freaking hilarious, but he's like, ah, I don't want to do like, you know, he doesn't have any interest in the improv world. But, you know, I teach improv comedy uh, and sketch comedy for the Second City. Um, oh, that's amazing. It's oh, a, that's so fun. It's such a treat. And uh, I perform here in Chicago before the pandemic. Right. And, um, you know, this year I've been teaching improv uh, via Zoom, so it's been on the road. Um, it's been a total option for it. So you actually, you, ha- you have students like one-on-one type of students or group Zooms or Typic- what does that look typically like? Typically it's a class of like about eight people for Zoom. In-person classes would run bigger than that. Yeah. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, Zoom is just a little, it's a little more challenging to get through stuff. Yeah, of course. <laughs> more than eight people. <laughs> what? Do you, this is a, f- a funny question. If you don't mind me asking, yeah, but do you it. feel like you growing up around the preaching tradition and you know the I don't know if there were skits in youth group and that oh, type of thing? Did that in any way there. influence your like your love for for improv? I don't know if if it was the. Um, the skits in church, but I definitely whenever I had an outlet to perform, whether it was in church or school, like, Oh, I was, I was in count me in. That's so I, I grew up in assemblies of God, uh, which okay. has like a lot of like, um, performing arts, uh, competitions and stuff like that. So I did that through there as well. And, okay. uh, and then through like school, I would perform as well growing up. It's very That's interesting. Great. Like I, you know, I, I, feel such a, a kinship to you in that. Like I feel like I could have taken a very similar path of like being a pastor or, right. you know, being. Um, I was very fervent about um, my religion. Right, and, I'm still and you very, had public I'm still gifts fervent. too, right? You were able to stand up in front of people. Oh, for sure. I guess yeah. So that that natural inclination to that. Um, but uh, again, going back to that thing I was saying earlier, having that catalyst of like needing to question things more because I knew I was gay from an early age. Yeah. Like never caused me to like, uh, take that jump because I just, I, 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 I felt too dishonest in that jump mm-hmm. of being mm-hmm. able to, to say like, Oh, this is what I believe. And hindsight, I'm very thankful for it that I've like, you know, <laughs> got to wrestle with these things. But I, I feel this right. kinship to people too, who are like, came out of this, um, you know, especially the evangelical, world of like oh yeah yeah Yeah, for sure like i could see see myself in an alternate universe did you like your decision to kind of no longer identify as a christian Mm -hmm. was that directly tied to being gay or were those things separate like in other words was there a period of time where you were gay and you you were saying i'm gay and i embrace my faith and i'm going to stay that way or like how did how do those things intermingle so i would say you know it's very um that those things happen like, you know, sometimes at the same, the same time, but are two different processes, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was like 20, 21, I came out to some people in the church, like under the feeling of like, like sin and like, yeah, I got to fix this, um, kind of privately. Um, and so there was this transition from, from over like 10 years of like, you know, maybe changing that identification of like Christian and not feeling like guilty about being gay that happened at the same time because mm. wrestling with both of them, you know, mm-hmm. w- was part of the process. Right. Yeah. 
yeah, it's a very foggy, it's almost a foggy timeline of like, you know, and like you said too, like, you know, on a, you can wake up on a certain day and like something can strike you a little bit more, right? Whether it's like, I feel like, like a little bit more like I identify with this today or don't, or, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it's such an ongoing process. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. To live in that, that space. I had a, I had a conversation with, um, this amazing human, her, her name is Nadia Bowles Weber, and she's a pastor, a Lutheran pastor, um, LGBTQ affirming, just speaks to speaks grace to people's shame around sex in really incredible ways. But she was having a, you know, she she was having a conversation with me and basically saying, you know, I feel like people's religion is sort of like their their DNA in a way that you never you can never truly leave it behind. Yeah, 100%. And I don't know, I, it, it, that was like, it challenged me. And it sort, of, <laughs> it sort of irritated me, like, yes, you can. You can leave it behind. But, uh, but I think there's something to that. I think there's something to the formative shaping explanation of reality and the, the community and, you know, rituals and all those things. Even if you walk away from it, it's still so it's so ingrained. It's still, so, you know, so shapes you. Um, and I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Again, like we're talking about all the ways that, that can be expressed, but yeah. it's, it's just, it's still there. It's, it's like, and I, I've compared it to like your native, like a native country, you move away, but you still speak the language. You still feel a kinship. You're still curious yes. what's happening there. You know? Yeah. hundred percent. You know, it's very funny. <laughs> like even this idea of like, my um my my brother's boyfriend used to do like worship music or something like that, and it's just like, it almost feels like a guilty pleasure to me to be like, oh, play, <laughs> play such and such song, <laughs> or like you know, or like every once in a while we'll be on this road trip and I'll like, be like, all right, Mac, indulge me for a second. I want to find an old Christian song that I used to like listen to or something like that, and like, here's that. It's, it's comforting, it's, right? It's, yeah. yeah, it's in your DNA and. It always is in your DNA, whether like you say like, hey, I don't concretely identify this way or, or not. Um, and there's still, yes, there's still a very like warm hearted part of it in my DNA of like, yeah. uh, I was I was noticing for maybe the first time in, oh, I don't know. It's like probably been like eight, at least eight years since I went to church regularly, maybe, maybe a decade. Um, and like during this pandemic, I was like, man. Like just getting together with people on a Sunday and singing songs. Isn't that fun? So it's and like, nice, right? All trying to like <laughs> sharpen yourself and make yourself a better person. Be like, yeah, this is what we're all doing together, right? And yeah. like um and like there's maybe food involved. It's like of course, of course, like you have good feelings towards that. And right. Like, like those yeah. are like like elemental, like human things, like community and singing and like getting together and it's um, yeah, it's still in the DNA, you know, it's still right. like, oh yeah, I kind of miss that, that, that thing. There's been it's a little, true. I think, I think the community piece is, is really huge. It's a, it's, it is such a, such an important thing. Do you find yourself, um, uh, having left the church, um, finding different avenues into some of those, uh, things you got before, whether it's community mm-hmm. or, whatever you, you, you may have, you know, gotten from your church experience. 
You know, I think I'm still figuring that out. And and honestly, the, some of this is so fresh that ways that I was starting to pursue that just got completely shut down with the pandemic. Yeah. So, you know, we're all trying to, to reacclimate to, to the reality of COVID and how that's going to change, you know, in the future is really interesting to me, but I, I think it's probably one of the big unanswered questions for me is, is how do I, how do I build some of that? Cause it's, it is really important. And I, I want that for sure. Yeah. I mean, you were in it as probably as deep as you can be in it for the majority of your yeah. life, right? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And it's definitely when that's gone, you're like, oh man, like I, I still, and I, and Josh, to come back to something we were saying earlier about like, um, oh gosh, man, I'm so sorry. I have COVID brain. I'm so foggy. <laughs> um, gosh, what were we saying? The ideas of leaving me right now as I brought it up. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's, it's all right. Such foggy it's COVID in the, brain. It's in the COVID zone. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, brother, it was it's so nice to get to talk to you. Oh, this was so much fun, Johnny. I really I really appreciate it. There's just like such it's like it, as you were saying earlier about like um you know, meeting people who like be, like believe like a little bit differently. You're like, "Oh, it feels like this whole mm. world opens up." Yeah. There's, so, there's such a nice refreshing thing about talking to people like who had the similar experiences uh in the church and like are wrestling with it in, in similar ways or tangential ways it's just like so good to hear that <laughs> oh that means a lot to me i mean i you know it's funny i i have people who will you know write really angry comments at times on instagram and basically be like why is anyone giving you a platform you've got all these things wrong and you know basically just shut up and and go away and and part of the reason that i don't is because I think there are just so many people that need to know they're not alone in this process, you know, yeah. that they're, they're not the only person that has changed or doesn't believe in the same way. And, and I think in the past, a lot of people who left the church did feel completely isolated. You know, there was a sense of, I failed. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't good enough. I didn't live up to the standards. And now I'm out here, you know, living my life and and they might be completely happy and so on, but they they don't have any sense of kinship with other people. And, and so, you know, I am just grateful for conversations like this where, you know, people can just be reminded. It's like, you're not alone. You're not the only person that's gone through a major shift like this. And, and there's life on the other side. And I can imagine too being your in your shoes too, where you're potentially getting it from both sides, <laughs> right? Where you're getting yeah, like that's the, true. the hard feedback from the religious folk and from the people who are maybe like staunchly the other way. But honestly, there's such a needed space to like mm. have these conversations and like to have someone be open up and and you know wear wear it on their sleeve a little bit the process and the yeah. unfolding. It's it's incredibly valuable, Josh and. Well, thanks, Johnny. Thanks for uh, for making these kind of conversations possible. I, I've enjoyed it. All right, man. Well, you have yourself a lovely day. You too. Take care of yourself and enjoy that van and, and uh, get uh, healthy, buddy. Uh, <laughs> man, we're so excited. Tomorrow we're, we're going back home. And oh, that's awesome. We can't that's wait. That's really good. It was great to meet you, and uh, let's let's stay in touch. I'd love, I would love to get that. to Chicago sometime and see oh, see you please. perform. That'd oh, be so please. much fun. Yeah, yeah, and then let us let us know if you're headed this way or if we're in the van and moving towards Vancouver. Once, All right, once absolutely. The borders open. Some great great spots <laughs> for great your to van to, to 
camp alongside the beach and stuff. <laughs> are you are you an outdoorsy person? You know, I'm I'm actually growing in that. That's one of my goals is to hike more and just, you know, just enjoy all of it more. Yeah, so. there's so much over there, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. That's it's pretty incredible. awesome. All right, have a great rest of your day. You too. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Come on, dance, appetite. Dance to the middle of the night. Come on, dance, wake up the appetite.